Well, we're going to dive right into our series called Brave. Everybody say Brave. And, uh, you know, I've been daring you to do some things here. And so I think actually the title uh, Brave is more for me that I need to be brave uh, to come out here and dare you. Because sometimes you dare people to do stuff. Them's fighting words. And uh, but we're going to get into some good stuff today. Let's look in First Corinthians, chapter 16, verse 13 and 14. It says, watch, be alert, pay attention, stand fast in the faith, be brave. There it is. Everybody say, be brave, be strong and let all that you do be done with love. Now, let me remind you what we're doing with this series. And let me just throw this out to you, too. I, I typically will do a teaching series for about six weeks. And this is week five on this, and I just, I'm just going to go ahead and warn you. We're going to go a couple extra weeks on this. There's just some things the Lord is just really impressing on my heart that, that we'll need to cover in kind of this context. So what are we doing here? What, what we're doing with this series is there are some key attitudes and some key actions. Follow this. Some key attitudes and actions prescribed for us by Scripture. Therefore, it's, it's from God. And we know these things and we believe these things and we expect these things in other people. We'll even impose these things upon other people. But here's what we do. You ready? We exempt ourselves. And then we try to justify why we don't do it. Well, the scripture says and God says and it's the right thing to do and I expect you to do it. But I don't. And here's why. Here's my story. Here's my special set of circumstances and so forth. And, and can, look, look at me for a moment. That's hogwash. It's hogwash. Hogwash is a Hebrew word that. (laughs) And we can't do that. And so what I feel the Lord, my assignment really is to call you out on that and to challenge you on that. And listen, it's for your own good. It's for our own good. All of his commandments either show us what gives us life or takes life away. If he says do something, it's to bring life to you. If he says don't do that, it's because it takes life away from you. And so we're calling you out and we're daring you on these things. And here's some that we've already looked at. I dare you to love. I dare you to stop judging others. I dare you to judge yourself. I dare you to forgive. I dare you to receive forgiveness from God. I dare you. Oh, that's a big one. I dare you to forgive yourself. And I dare you to believe. And today we're going to move on into something that just the the weight of this is just huge in its importance today. Let me set it up for you. In the first few chapters of, of Scripture, we read about the garden, the Garden of Eden, paradise. It was the beginning of the human race. And you're going to learn so much. And I would encourage you to go back and read about the first six, seven chapters of Genesis. Not now. Not now. Later. Okay. And you're going to see God's intentions and God's beauty and God's redeeming plan and how the devil works and how human nature is. And you're going to see a whole lot right there in those first few chapters. But I want to draw something out that, that we've got to see real clear here. In the New Testament, there's constant reference made back to there. And in 2 Corinthians, we find this in the middle of uh, uh, chapter 11, verse 3. We find just in the middle these three words that just stick out. And I want you to get this here. The serpent 
deceived Eve. The serpent deceived Eve. Okay, and so you remember that the the devil took on the form of a serpent and he convinced her to eat okra. And people say, oh, it's apples. No, we don't know what it was. It was a tree. It was good. It was incredible. And God said, just, just don't, don't bother this one. Okay, don't mess with this. I've given you everything you need. I'm just telling you, don't, don't mess with it. And it, the serpent deceived Eve. Bearing that in mind, let's look in Romans chapter 5 and verse 12. And this is mentioned actually six times in Romans 5. We'll just pull out the first reference here. It says, therefore, just as through one man, everybody say one man. Through one man, sin entered the world and through death and death through sin and thus death spread to all men because all sinned. I want you to see this. The serpent deceived Eve and it's through one man sin entered the world. We say, hold up. Or, or as kids say, hold up. I thought Eve was the one who, who took of the fruit. And did this and offered it to her husband. In, in disobedience to God, she did that. Uh-huh, it's true. But the way it's viewed in Scripture here is the serpent deceived Eve. And the sin falls on the man. And I'll tell you why. Because in God's creative order, in God's creative order, the man did not fill his role. And so he's held responsible. The serpent deceived Eve, but through one man, sin entered. So let's follow this. Man did not do his place. God held man responsible. Now, let me tell you what it would look like if man took his place. Uh, how many of you remember the like illustrated Bible story books? Okay, they have those, you know. <laughs> And as a kid, I remember always loving to go to the dentist's office or the eye doctor's office, and they would have like a sample one in there. And uh, my brother and I, I can remember several times, I think I've told you this before, we'd just run in there, my mom's getting her eyes checked or something, so we'd look in the book. My brother would always go to Genesis so we could look at naked Adam and Eve. <laughs> Till the receptionist would look at us or the mom would come out. And I don't know why. And they didn't show nothing, you know, but we're just, just little boys, you know. So let me tell you what it would look like. All right. All right. Hold, hold on. Just forget I even told you that. Okay. Here's what it would look like, should look like, if Adam had done his part. You'd turn to that page and there would be a smashed, stretched, out of proportion, headless, Snake tied in knots around a tree. That's what it should look like. That didn't happen. That didn't happen. But here's the good thing. What was lost in Adam is now gained in Christ. What was lost in Adam, Adam being the first Adam, Scripture refers to Jesus as the second Adam. He came through and he, he got it right. Amen? And if you'll recall, he did smash the head of the serpent. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Now, let me get everybody's attention here. I am glad you are all here today. All of you. So glad you're all here. But I need to talk to the men today. 
I need to talk to the men. Now, we're not going to bash you guys. This is not a house of condemnation. I'm not into bashing men. We're into building you. And everyone will benefit as a result. So I need to talk to the men this morning. Is that all right? Can I get an amen this morning? I'm so glad that the amen sounded like that instead of one of these amen. Amen. I'm glad the men were in on the amen there. And by the way, nothing drives a guy more crazy than a amen. You know, when the preacher's talking about men. So just, just throw that. So ladies, please stay. Please stay. Everyone stay. But I got to talk to the men and everybody, everyone will benefit out of this this morning. Amen. Amen. There, there we go. All right. Something we believe around here, huge, that we believe around here, and I'm going to go ahead and write it out here. We believe that the better the man, the better the, you fill in the blank. The better the man, the better everything. I'm not taking anything away from ladies at all. But men, we've got to get in our spot. We've got to get into our role. We've, we've got to fulfill the responsibility that God has given us. And the better the man. This is about improvement. It's not about perfection. The better the man, the better the you fill in the blank. So here's my challenge. Here's my dare to you this morning. And guys especially look at me. I dare you. To be a man. No. I dare you to be a. A good man. No. Look at me. I dare you. To be a man of God. I dare you. To be a man of God. Now. Listen. If you're not going to be a man of God. Then. What kind of man are you going to be? And maybe in the light, that comes out real stark and obvious that there's really not a good second, third, fourth option. So I'm daring you. You can try to be this cool guy, or you can try to be this, or try to be that, try to be that. What's that worth? What's that going to do? And, and, and when you see it in the light of what I share with you today, I dare you. I dare every man in this place. I dare you. And I dare you, men and women, raise up your sons to be men of God. I dare you to be a man of God. Amen. Now, in Luke eleven twenty one, it says, and this is a principle from Scripture, it says, when a strong man, fully armed, guards his own palace, his goods are in peace. Now, this might get just a little, little painful here just for a moment, but it will help us because we've got to see the importance of this. Let me start this sentence with this word. Most... Okay, let's stop on that word for a moment. Most. How many of you know that most is not all? Okay, it's most. I want to make, I want to emphasize this. Not all, but most. How many of you know, even if you're on some restrictive diet or disciplined diet or whatever, how many of you know that candy bars are from God? (laughs) Hey, man. Okay. All right. And let me tell you the two best bites on a candy bar. The first one and what? 
The last one. And which one's the best one? The last one. I mean, you take that first one, and it's like, oh, yeah. And then you kind of eat through to get to the last one. I've got five kids, and now I've got two grandkids. You know, and these days have happened where you're eating a candy bar, and you've eaten most of it. Most of it. Not all, but most. So what remains? The best part. And then one of your little kids comes up to you. Well, it hadn't happened yet, but when my grandkids come up to me in that setting, I'm going to go, you got parents. You go, you go, you go find, you find your mom and dad. Love you. Everybody say most. So most is not all. Now, a spoonful of sugar helps the medicine go down. I had to get you to laugh a little bit because we're, where we're going to go is going to hurt just a little bit here. Most pain in life. Most disappointment. Most dysfunction. Most instability. Has come to you in your life either directly or indirectly because of a man. I'll say it again. Most, not all, but most pain in any of our lives. Most dysfunction, disappointment, insecurity, instability has come to us. And it's not a house of condemnation. We just got to say what it is so we can know where to go. Has, Has come to all of us either directly or indirectly because a man somewhere did not fill his role, did not take his place or abused or neglected the, the responsibility that he had in one way or another, that has made its way to all of us. And you say, no, no, it was, it was she. She had issues and she did this. Yeah, but there's a song out that says, Father, be good to your daughters. You know, somewhere along the way, hurt people hurt people. And ultimately, even going all the way back to the garden, man bears some responsibility in this. And we've got to realize that most of the pain and the stuff that just does not work and does not feel right in our life has come to us. Because a man did not take his role, did not take his place. And I want you to just inventory that in your life just for a little bit. And it's reality. It's reality. And that takes us back to the third week of this series where you're probably going to have to forgive. You're going to need to forgive. We put out a little book and it's free. Don't worry, I'm not selling anything. We put this out in the 20th anniversary of the church or shortly thereafter. It's called the Meadowbrook Mandate. And in that book, and I want to just read a little something here, a statistic. It says that in the, and these are free, by the way, if you want to get one, they have them out at guest services and just tell you what we feel is important that we're to be doing. It says in the United States today, males account for 93% of the current prison population. Of those 93% surveyed, 85% said that they had no father figure. And right there, that's just a huge proof right there that men, we've got to take our place. So listen to me, men, I dare you to be a man of God, to be a man of God. Let's look at some things here. Part of the problem is wrong definitions, wrong definitions. And beyond wrong definitions would be wrong modeling or no modeling of what a man should be how a man should respond, how a man should carry himself, how a man should speak, how a man should work, what a man is. Our, our media is so convoluted and, and, and 
dizzy. I get nauseous just trying to focus on, on what they're even trying to say at times. And because of that, and then lack of modeling or wrong modeling of what a man is, there's a lot of issues then. And men consequently don't fill their role. And guess what? Everybody else pays for it. Another thing is men are easily distracted. Guys, guys, are you with me? Men are easily distracted. Men are easily addicted. Consequently, here's what happens. Then a man does not do what he should do. Does not do what he should do. That's called omission. Or he does what he should not do. That's called commission. Or he tries to do right, but he tries to do it in his own strength. That's called futile. Whenever you try to do a right thing in your own strength, you're doing it out of pride or fear. And it doesn't work. I'm going to do better. Here we go. I'm going to do this. And, and you try to do this yourself. Pull yourself up by your own bootstraps. Does not work. You try in your own strength. You're doing it out of either pride or fear. And we're going to look at in a moment. You've got to have God help you. Amen. And so there's the wrong things. But then there's this. And I have to address this. Then there's a lot of things that guys do. Bear with me here. There's a lot of things that guys do that aren't evil. They're not wrong. But they're just dumb. And sometimes we have the Peter Pan syndrome. Perpetual adolescence. Paul said in 1 Corinthians, When I was a child, I spoke as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a... When I became a man, I put away childish things. And what I'm talking about is sometimes we involve ourselves in things. And ladies, sometimes you too. Amen. (laughs) Sometimes we get ourselves involved in something that takes a disproportionate amount of time and money and energy. And there's really nothing really to show for it. It's not bad. It's not illegal. It's not wrong. it's It's not that. But we put too much into it. And I say that. With all love at the beginning of football season. <laughs> There's things that are not inherently wrong with that. But if you put a disproportionate amount of time and money and energy. And you really don't have anything to show for it. You, you know, Paul even said this. There's things that are lawful for me, but they're just not good. They're not edifying. They're not beneficial. So it all boils down to this. So if we're not sure what a man is, then we've got to put up a good a good model, a good standard, a goal. And I would say to you without hesitation that that standard is Jesus Christ. And let me say this. Manhood and Christ-likeness are synonymous. Say it with me. Manhood and Christ-likeness are synonymous. Christ-likeness, it means to be like Christ. Oh, man, I don't want to be like Christ. I don't want to wear sandals and long hair and walk around in a robe. And, you know, that's not what we're talking about. Get rid of the, the vision of a historic person, although he is historic Jesus. You cannot take that out of the equation. But I'm talking about the character, the person. We've got to be like him. And listen, if we're going to be like him, if we're going to be like him, we've got to do like him. And I want to boil this down just real quick that everything that Jesus did, he did with this. Everything that Jesus did, he did, first of all, driven by love. Say driven by love. And guys, if everything you do, you would do it driven by love, there'll be a whole lot of things you won't do. 
I won't do that because that's going to take away from my children that I love. I, I will do this because this will help the wife that I love, driven by love. The second thing, in all that Jesus did, he always did it this way, in obedience to the Father. Obedience to the Father. He said, I didn't come to do my own thing. And I don't know how it got into our crazy world that, you know, I'm just doing my own thing. Your own thing doesn't work. Your own thing does not work. And it runs over other people and runs over them doing their own thing. And it's this massive epidemic breakdown and, and people falling apart and families blown all over the place and people addicted and lost and confused and, and everything else because we're doing our own thing. Listen, you need to do, every, guys, men of God, you need to do everything that you do in obedience to the Father. And I promise you it's the best thing that you can do in every situation and you'll find it in God's Word. So do it driven by love. Do it in obedience to the Father and do it this way too, empowered by the Spirit. Empowered by the Spirit. Listen, Jesus sent the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit came to be our helper and our comforter. And there's some unexpected side uh, issues with the Holy Spirit that happened at the day of Pentecost. I'm not even talking about that. And I'm not even talking about all the gifts of the Spirit. I'm not even talking about all of those things. Here's what I want you to know. The main purpose of the Holy Spirit coming is to empower you in your life, to give you power to live this life. To help you day in and day out. To give you the strength of God to do things. And I just told you, if you try to do it in your own strength, you're you're only based in is fear and pride and it does not work. But there's help from heaven. I said there's help from heaven. And the Bible says that Jesus was anointed with the Holy Spirit and with power. And he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil for God was with him. Acts 10, 38. You've got to have. If Jesus did it that, if he needed the Holy Spirit... (laughs) We need the Holy Spirit, empowered by the Spirit. And also everything Jesus did, he did with a servant's heart. He was the greatest among us, and yet he was the servant of all. And he called us as men of God, as people of God, do like I'm doing. Do like I'm doing. Don't try to climb some kind of ladder. Don't try to be a somebody. Don't try to just be an insider or whatever. Don't try to make a name for yourself. Just be a servant, and you'll be the greatest in the kingdom. So do all that you do, driven by love. Do all that you do in obedience to the Father. Do all that you do, empowered by the Spirit. And do all that you do. Do all that you do with a servant's heart. And you're going to be more and more like Jesus. Now, real quick. And this is important. If we're going to be men of God. I don't know if I did this or not yet. I dare you to be a man of God. I dare you to be a man of God. And I'm going to ask you again. This just hits me. If you're not going to be a man of God, then what, what kind of man are you going to be? And I think you see that so many things are hinged upon you accepting that call to be a man of God. And let's look at a few of them here this morning. First of all, men of God cause women to go crazy. No, that's not it. That was, that was not it. Men of God cause cause women to be secure. Men of God cause women to be secure. What do you mean? That their needs would be met. Well, I can't meet all their needs. Let her see you try. That her needs would be met. That she feels loved. That she's encouraged to dream and encouraged to grow. Notice I said... Men of God make women secure. You need to make every effort to make them secure. 
I did not say, man, your job is to make them happy. Because none of us know how to do that. That's a secret. There's a mystery hidden code. Sometimes yes, sometimes no. One of the most important verses in scripture. Mama ain't happy. Ain't nobody happy. Listen, mama will be a lot more happy. If you as a man of God will make it your goal to make her secure. That her needs are met. That she feels loved. That she's encouraged to dream and to grow. Guys, don't be afraid of that. And let me add this in concerning women. Treat all women honorably. Treat all women honorably. You see an elderly woman wrestling with a door or a big sheet of plywood trying to get it onto her walker. (laughs) All right. Back to our story. Help her. Treat all women honorably. And listen, don't be harsh. Be patient. And let me shift gears and go to another aspect of treating all women honorably. Guys, keep your eyes on your own paper. Let me go a little bit further. And men of God, listen to me. An un- Plug the poison of pornography. Unplug. It poisons you and you can't view people in the right way. And you got to be free. And it's a disease. It's poison. Poison. And, and if you need help, we can help you. Call us. We can, we, there's ways that we can help you and encourage you in that. But you got to get that out or you're not going to treat women honorably. And guys, when you get with guys, cut out the potty talk and the locker room banter. And stop giving yourself permission to think in ways that you ought not think. Because if you really acted on those thoughts, you're going to bring ruin to a whole lot of people. Men of God, cause women to be secure. Secondly, men of God cause children... There's more to that sentence. That's true. (laughs) Men of God cause children to be blessed and complete. When I was growing up, there were times where there were dads. Even in my own family, I had a dad, then a stepdad, and then my friends' dads. You're afraid of dads. You just were afraid of them. I'm calling for a new day. The kids and your friends' kids and everything should should love being around your dad. You should be that kind of dad instead of, get out of my chair. You know, don't be that guy. Cause, Cause children to be blessed and and to be complete, not insecure. I had, I had a friend growing up, honestly, he had, a, he had a stuttering issue. 
And sometimes kids made fun of him for that and that'd make him stutter a little bit more. But I'm tell you when I saw him stutter the most, when his dad showed up at our ball games. And how hard his dad was on things. Hey, hey, we're here to build up our kids. We're built to help them be complete and to be blessed and to be happy people, not, not afraid of some, some male figure. We're, we're talking about men of God and what men of God cause. In Deuteronomy 12, 28. Is that right that I preach a little bit this morning? Deuteronomy 12, 28, it says, Observe and obey all these words which I command you, that it may go well with you and help me. Your children after you forever when you do what is good and right in the sight of the Lord your God. Let me hurry along here. Men of God cause women to be secure. They cause children to be complete and blessed. And men of God cause churches to be strong. To be strong. And church is God's plan A. Church is the hope of the world. Church has to hit on all cylinders. And historically, if you go back into church history, you're going to find that there were decades, long times where church was pretty much made up of old ladies and little kids. And churches were funded by by grandma dipping a little bit out of the grocery money to make it happen. And you know what? It held back the work of God. And I'm so blessed, so thankful. There's such a strong male presence in our church. And, and men of God, let me tell you what you do. Show up, plug in, serve, pray, worship, support, be part of the strength, be part of the structure. And you're going to help everybody else to find their place in this. Men of God cause churches to be strong. Men of God also cause other men to come to God. The influence of a man in another man's life is unreal. And when, when men of God will be men of God, not flip-flopping or whatever, but I'm telling you, a, a solid man of God, you're going to cause other men to come to God, and you're going to cause those men to become men of God. And the men of God strengthen other men of God because iron sharpens iron. And men of God help other men of God. And listen, we just launched, we're launching groups and we've got men's groups. And I'll just shamelessly plug it. Guys, lead the way. Get into groups. Get into small groups. And, and, and something happens in groups That doesn't happen in another setting. Something happens when you're alone with God that can't happen anywhere else. Something happens in this setting that's not going to happen anywhere else in your life. And something else happens. It has to happen in your life where you're with a few people in a small group where you can relate together. And I'm telling you what, in those settings, men of God can strengthen men of God. And i got one other thing I want to share with you. Men of God cause the devil to know his boundaries. Because the devil will keep trying to pull his crud, I almost said something else, uh, pull his crud in your life and he'll do it. He'll keep doing it. He knows he's not allowed to do this. He'll keep doing it until he knows for sure that you know for sure. So men of God, get in the know about who you are in Christ Jesus, what belongs to you. We sang some powerful stuff and some songs today. Just the power that's in the name of Jesus. Guys, you can chase fever out of your house with the name of Jesus and, and crud and rebellion and all kinds of things that are going, going on even in your, in your children's life. There's power. And men of God have got to take their place and let the enemy know. Stop it. 
drop it, get out of here, come no further. James 4, 7 says this, submit yourselves therefore to God. Who does that? A man of God does that. Submit yourselves therefore to God, resist the devil, and he will what? He will flee from you. Men of God cause women to be secure, children to be complete and blessed, churches to be strong, other men to become men of God and strengthen other men and the devil to know his bounds. Manhood and Christ-like are synonymous. Jesus did all that he did. If we're going to be like Jesus, got to do like Jesus. He did all that he did, driven by love, obedient to the Father, empowered by the Spirit, and with a servant's heart. And you should too. And I dare you today. I dare you today. I dare you today, every man in this place, to be a man of God. And I'll just ask you this question again too. If you're not going to be a man of God, what kind of man are you going to be? And there's so much counting on it. There's so much counting on it. When a strong man, fully armed, is in his place, his goods will be at peace. Did you get anything at all out of this today? <laughs>